Hello and welcome to the Non-Tech Founders Podcast, fortnightly conversations about running a business as a non-technical founder. I'm Laura. And I'm Nathan. Join us as we navigate the developer-dominated world of entrepreneurship, bootstrapping and beyond. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about risk versus reward. So how much are you willing to risk to make your idea or business work? Um, but first, it's been quite a while since we've done an update on us. Do you want to talk a little bit about, because you've had a lot of stuff going on lately. Yeah, I've had to? too much stuff going on. <laughs> Way too much stuff going on. My stress levels have gone through the roof this week. I was going to use the word interesting. It hasn't been interesting. It's been a really hard week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, there has been some positive stuff. I was able to get my first guest post out for Feature Flux. So I was debating whether to put the initial post up on on the blog for feature flux you know and get content draw people along so they can you know that kind of thing start finding the uh, the product but then i thought well you know it's, it's kind of six of one and half a dozen of the other at the moment i think is so i think it's kind of irrelevant whether i i try and increase my domain rating by you know guest posting out onto uh, domains that have a, a decent rating or writing content on my blog as well so in this case i chose to uh, send out to a guest uh, guest blog, which was uh, that was good. I was uh, I was happy with that, and I was able to get the, the post done as well, like from one day to the next. Nice. Which, when I say from one day to the next, it might sound like a long time, but we're talking, you know, maybe two or three hours. In my previous writing life, we're talking <laughs> days and days and days of just umming and ahhing and coming back to it and being stumped. And uh, yeah, so that was that was good. That was a good yeah. thing. That's really good. I would have chosen the guest post route too. It's it's yeah. so it's such a difficult question to know which one to do first, but yeah, especially when you're first starting out, I think guest posting is more valuable for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, I I actually <laughs> I I kind of half cheated. So this was actually published on on the Newsy blog because it was my easy in, wasn't it? You know, my my ex ex co-founder. Um, and he said to me, oh, great, yeah. He said, you just need another 20 of these now and you'll be sorted. So. Yeah, well, I everyone has an unfair advantage. Everyone. So of course, yeah, yeah. You've, you've got, got to, to use it. You've got to use it where you've yeah. got it, you know. So you'd that be was, mad uh, not to. Completely. Yeah. What about yourself? So I have, uh, well, I'm trying to think if I've had a stressful week. It's not actually been too bad. I feel like I should have had a stressful week because I'm going away for basically the whole month tomorrow, uh, in two days and usually I'm super stressed the week before I go um but surprisingly I'm not and I yeah I feel like I should be but I'm not so it's been pretty good I've um the big thing for me is I finally launched the redesigned home page of client portal I think as we said in a different episode I started it in January it's now November um so I'm not sure when this will be live actually hopefully it'll still be November but yeah I was really happy to get that launched it's not the full website so i haven't done a big promotion for it or anything because half the website is still using the old design so it just looks that a little bit odd <laughs> it does it's like i try not to think about it because there's really there's nothing i can do about it at this point but no. i've done the home page and the features page and the rest are sort of okay enough but when i think about the website before i'm like even with that this is just like a it's just such a big improvement and I'm, it's too early to tell, but I think it's already increasing sales, but I don't know because it's, it hasn't been that long. It's only been a few mm -hmm. weeks and I, some, have, have you seen an, have you seen an upturn in, in sales? Yeah. But the thing is it, 
it happens quite a lot. So I get these little bursts of um, mm. random things when like i get good weeks good weeks bad weeks you know that kind of thing so it might just be podcast (laughs) yeah it could be anything i mean it's yeah like i say it's too early to tell i've written down the i've got the date when the redesign went live the date of the first podcast which is actually is fairly similar but yeah it will be i'm gonna wait a few months to really see but i'm really optimistic i think it's i think it's going to do really well so i'm so happy about that and i think that's probably why i'm not so stressed about going away because the really really important thing was getting that live and it's live and it works and yeah that's awesome though it's awesome that you have that confidence as well in that like i really think it's going to do really well i think it's you know a really positive thing because oftentimes you know when we release something or we publish something we're always like oh i don't know is is you know are people going to like it you know is 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 this going to work so that's awesome to hear that you're confident in that yeah, it's it's a nice feeling. I think it's partly because the old website was just so dated and I'm not changing, I'm not drastically changing the messaging. So I'd already changed the copy on the old website a long time ago. Um, so I, like I think I said before, I had a copywriter come in and do a review of the copy and I made all these changes. So the copy's been live for a while. So I had chance to see whether that was gonna work or not. And, um, you know, it's, it didn't seem to change an awful lot, to be honest, but it did, uh, the copy changes that were made has decreased the amount of people who are confused about what Client Portal is, which is really right. good. So it's less email support. Um, so really it's just the design that's changed. And um, so I'm not too worried because it's definitely better. Like I don't think there's anyone who would say it doesn't look as good as the old one. I know it looks amazing. I and I, I said to you, it, it really, really. I mean, I, I'm quite jealous. It looks oh, really, really you. good. So, <laughs> yeah, a pretty good job. I, I like it. I like going onto the website and being like, yes. Now, when someone asks me what I do, and I say, you know, you Google client portal, it'll come up. I, I'm not embarrassed anymore about the website, which is huge. So I'm very happy. Cool. Yeah, I've got um, I got one more thing to to comment about to talk about really before we dive into this week's. Uh, topic so when you were doing more freelance work typically would your clients uh, be aware that they needed your service services before they found you like did they know that they needed you know a redesign that their work you know their website wasn't particularly great or yeah I think they uh, people always came to me asking for a website redesign yeah yeah they were aware of the problem yeah so something that <laughs> has kind of been brought to my attention this week after i'm in a, um, a private slack group uh, that i've been in for a few years and there's there's loads of really great people in there and they've been really helping me out this week as uh, i try and sort of carve an immediate future out for myself um and one of the things that somebody pointed out in fact again it was michelle hansen from deploy empathy um said that most people don't uh, a lot of people, a lot of businesses don't even know what UX is. And even worse than that is that they don't typically know they have a problem. Um, typically, a, a business needs to get to a really um, to a really high point of growth after many years when things might possibly start collapsing in on them from a, from a usability point of view, you know, when they start tacking on features and just adding this feature and that feature. Um, so many businesses aren't aware that they even have a problem. So I found myself in this continual um, loop of, 
I'm almost having to educate people about the fact that they even have a problem. And from a freelance consulting point of view, that is just death. Because if you think about most of the UX roles in SaaS businesses, they're all full-time. And they're all full-time for a reason because they are there from the beginning. You know, it's to design a system from the beginning and it's there. It's probably a joint role, UX and UI. You know, we're always so often grouped into one designer. But I think surviving as a freelance UX consultant is very hard because, uh, like I said, there is that there is that issue. Like most people don't even realize they have a problem uh, or not considered enough of a, a problem. So I've definitely had to have a bit of a think this week about what I'm going to do moving forward um, with regards to freelance consulting work. So, hmm. um, Have you had any ideas? Yeah, I had a couple. So one of the things that was suggested was that, so while UX isn't necessarily something that people are aware of, um, accessibility, uh, which is obviously closely related, is something that's gaining more and more traction. And especially as the laws have been changing in the US, uh, the EU and Australia, so more and more businesses are, are now being sued um, in federal courts in the US. I think in, in 2020, there were nearly 11,000 businesses that were sued just because wow. of uh, a lack of inac- uh, accessibility compliance. And in 2021, there were four, that was a 14% increase on that. So these are things that people, whether they're aware of or not, are going to be <laughs> are going to be made to be aware of. So I think it's, I'm looking into it at the moment. I'm doing some research and, and trying to see what the what the exact laws are around that and the compliance needs and then also trying to gauge whether again people are even aware of these things so it's difficult but i think it seems potentially like an easier sell than uh than ux i need yeah. to do a lot of homework yeah i can see that and it's it it's all types of companies that will need that i mean every company really any any any, ones, any private ones. or public facing software business whether they have a website or an app they're all in the um what's the word in in the target you know yeah they're all up for potentially having problems um because it's, it's um termed as discrimination obviously so so you've got options you can be... go low touch high volume or you can go high touch low volume or a mixture of both there's i think yeah, yeah it's it's going to be interesting. I, like I said, I literally just the last two days started researching the whole thing. So I just need to see what needs to be done there. And then, yeah, this yeah. Um, the UX thing has been a challenge. It really has been. As a freelance consultant, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, it is difficult because, yeah, you don't want to have to be educating and then selling. It's too much. The only option is potentially retainer-based work mm. where you're doing... Actually, a company I know is doing... They've hired a consulting agency to get their app into Figma, uh, like reusable components, because Figma's pretty advanced with what you mm, can do. Yeah. It's actually crazy. I didn't realize how advanced it was, um, but they're getting everything into there and then using a retainer to just make these small UX changes constantly because they can't do you know big redesigns because that's going to throw off all their users it needs to be small changes that are done incrementally yeah. so i think with ux like you say people work for these companies full time and there's a reason for that it's because it it's not just a one and done hey your ux is fixed magic wand Typically, yeah yeah uh, yeah the businesses that are doing it well are, it's ongoing obviously and uh, as i mentioned mostly unless you're a in a seriously big business, they do tend to mix the roles all up, you know, so UX and UI generally tend to be sort of lumped together. So, oh, one thing as well, I got my first bit of code back from the MVP for Feature Flux. So wow. you can now you can now create an account, you can log in, <laughs> you can invite team members, and that's it. 
So cool. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was super excited about that. Oh, that is exciting! Wow, yeah. that's usually the stuff that's like, oh, oh crap, I forgot to do the account stuff, like that you just yeah, yeah, tack yeah. on no, at no, the end. Completely. And yeah. even stuff has stuff has even come up already. Like I hadn't done a, a logout, I hadn't done a sign out. Yeah. Because I thought MVP, you know, <laughs> the sign out, and he was like, "Well, you probably need a sign out." So yeah, yeah that's it's, so it's common. Already been very, yeah, yeah completely. the amount of it's SaaS websites I've seen who forget to put a login on their website, <laughs> and they're like, and then they get people email, "Hey, how do I log in?" You're like, "Oh, oh yeah." Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you see that, that a lot. Yeah. See that. Oh a lot. well, congrats. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks. Exciting. Uh, You've got a lot going on. It feels good to finally. I've got a lot going on. I've got too much going on. I've got too much worry going on is what I've got. But um, I'm sort yeah. of slowly sifting my way through it. I think. Cool. Well, let's. Uh, it's kind of a good segue, really, into what we're talking about today: risk versus reward. Because you're in the situation where you're trying to decide how much you can, yeah. how much to risk, and how much uh, potential reward, and which route to go down. Completely. Yeah. So how are you finding that? So with all your different, you're basically back to square one at the minute. You, I've um, got loads of square ones going on at the minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but is like, so all these different things that you're doing with the freelance work, with feature flux, would you consider some are more high risk than others or some are potentially high reward? How are you deciding? Why are you doing so many different things? Why am I doing so many things? That's a very good question. Probably, I don't know, maybe you should talk to my therapist. I don't know. But um, <laughs> so I think the reason there are so many fronts open at the moment is I have been very prone to the excitement of a new project and thinking that there is always a possibility for something to work forward, to work towards. So that's that's one real real reason. The other one as well is that as I've begun to move forward, as I, as I have moved forward and seen now with the UX thing, I mean, I've, I've been doing the UX thing for ages, but it's it's now what i'm trying to go full-time again on on freelance is that i'm seeing that you know there are potential issues so i could keep flogging myself with the ux thing and i could keep pushing the book even and i could keep doing all these things but if it's not going to move me forward i'm just wasting more and more time and as i think i mentioned on the previous podcast i mean i have a very serious deadline of april to get money coming in um so you know does it make sense for me to keep beating away on on the ux drum when most people you know are not even aware that they have an issue i don't have time to educate and for them to be able to bring them in you know so i think i am definitely treating them differently but it's good now that i'm at the point that i'm able to put some kind of limit on them you know because maybe in the past i would not necessarily put a limit on it so for example now with this accessibility thing i've said to myself that i'm <laughs> and i'm being very strict with this now is that i'm giving myself so i started researching yesterday and giving myself until the end of tomorrow to see whether there's anything here and then if i decide there is then from next week i can start basically trying to morph what i already have so that's you know the the freelance portfolio uh, and the book and the course all into one this is nathan and this is what he can do kind of thing because and there are definitely there's definite value to having separate properties and i know that you've done this and you've seen value in that but I think in this particular instance, I think I need to somehow solidify and for people to be able to say, okay, this is this is Nathan and this is what he can do. And these are all different areas. And look, yes, he does have expertise in, in UX and writing the book and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's gone to the point now where I meet, need to make a decision because 
the reward versus the risk of everything they've put into it so far is kind of hasn't balanced out. So, okay, so you've got feature flux, you've got freelancing, and then I'm going to put your book and courses separate to that. So you've got these three different things, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see out of those three, which do you think would has the potential to have the biggest reward? Yeah, so I, I think the biggest upside or the biggest place to see a reward would definitely be on feature flux because getting a SaaS to a point of, uh, what's the word, to a point of where it is uh, profitable and you know growing, then I think that's an amazing place to be. Whether that is, you know, that that could be different for everyone. We could be talking five grand a month, 10, 20, 50, or, you know, it could just go crazy and you could, could grow into something completely unexpected. Yeah. So but of course the, the risk is also bigger as well. <laughs> well, that's what I'm getting at. So you, I would say, so for you, Feature Flux has the biggest potential reward, probably followed by book and course, followed by freelancing, right? And then yeah. the risk, would you say that mirrored? So the highest risk is also feature flux. The second highest so, yeah. risk is the book. And the third highest risk is the freelance. I think so, yeah, because I can pretty much say that, okay, well, the even though the out, the, the risk of the freelancing not working out is, is very high as well, but I think that's probably quite a unique situation as well. It's more a time thing, you know, I'm, I'm investing time in the freelancing in trying to create something for myself trying to generate business it's time i'm investing in the book you know but i'm actually financially best investing and heavily investing in 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 feature flux you know it's not a cheap thing to get an mvp built these days and even if it is successful should we say in air quotes as an mvp it's not going to stop there it's you need to have continual development so that means the costs will be ongoing as I'm a non-tech founder and I don't have a technical co-founder. So it's all, there's a lot of risk there, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of risk there in, in, in every sense. You know, it could completely fail and, it, and it's taken all my savings, which it, which it will do. So by the time yeah. MVP is finished, it will have emptied my bank. <laughs> so how are, you, how, are you setting, how are you managing that? Are you setting limits on, okay, if feature flux, if it's by this date and feature flux isn't at this much, I'm killing it and all your other stuff or are you just waiting and just seeing what happens i've been very prudent with the whole feature flux thing so far with regards to research and making sure that there is a problem and that there's a need etc all that good stuff it hasn't gone past mvp unfortunately that kind of analytical thinking so which it should be obviously because i need to i need to be sort of planning for that very near future of getting actually people in there to start testing it as soon as it's in a place to be tested and then from there continue to bring in potential customers because it obviously it doesn't make anything then I need to think about it so it's not something that I've put a plan in place for like I need to have you know x MRR or x number of customers by a particular date I probably should but I uh, to be honest I haven't been able to think that far forward yeah i need to i need to think about that because obviously i can't just you know invest and invest and invest and and see that there is there is nothing uh, on the horizon it's a difficult topic really because i found when i was launching client portal and really everything i've done that has been successful and well i'd say pretty much everything i've done that i'm proud of i've done and released really quickly 
and been okay with the fact that it might fail. But I would say I'm actually not, I'm uh, very conservative in the amount I want to risk. So I always want to make sure I have enough income coming in that I'll be fine. My expenses, I try and keep my expenses fairly low, which allows me to then take risks and I don't feel like I'm taking as big a risk. It's obviously the risk yeah. for me is more the risk of feeling like a failure rather than the risk of not being able to pay my bills. So that works for me because I'm very risk averse. I do not like taking risks. But I sort of think as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you have to take risks because if you didn't, then everyone would be doing it. You know, if it was like, if it was just guaranteed, you do this 10 steps and you will be rewarded with all this stuff. Yeah, everyone would do it, but you have to take a risk and be willing for it to fail. So for me, my baseline has always been make sure I'm okay, make sure I can afford, you know, my bills and stuff. And that makes me a better product owner salesperson I don't know what how I would say it because I'm not desperate for this to work it's more mm -hmm. of a I really want this to work because I want to feel good about myself not what, really what a want nice place to, to be <laughs> well exactly but it's yeah it's a place that I've always made sure I was in so so what about when you because you obviously you hired a developer for client portal because I you mentioned I think that you had originally done the HTML template yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. But then you needed obviously to take it further and turn it into a business. Was Client Portal already profitable when, when you hired the your developer? Yeah, um, but there was a little bit of risk involved there because I pre-sold Client Portal and said, the reason I'm pre-selling this is this HTML template that really you can have, but it's not very usable. You're probably not going to want to use it is because I want to raise money to hire a developer to help me build this product because I can't do it myself. And that was a really good selling point because I did it for, you know, super low price. I think it was, I don't know how much it was. It might've been $99, might've even been less. I'm not really sure how much it was for life. That funded the developer. The risk there was if I had like three sales, that wouldn't pay for the developer. And yeah. I would have to make that choice as to whether to take money out of my savings and pay for the developer if I really believed that the product would go far or kill it and refund people, which would be embarrassing really. There would be no issue in refunding people, but it would just be really so, embarrassing to so have to do that. Did you have a, uh, a predefined budget then? Had the developer told you, well, it's going to cost you X. So therefore you knew that if you were able to pre-sale this amount, then you were pretty much safe and covered or? I don't think I did, but only because I had to sell it very quickly because it was Black Friday in uh, like okay. three days. So I had to just go for it and hope, really just hope for the best. However, if it wasn't that, if that wasn't the case, I would have tried to get a price for it beforehand, just so I know what I'm up against, because that was a little bit scary for me. But it was a simple product, so I knew that it wasn't going to be a crazy amount of money. It wasn't a SaaS product. It's It was a WordPress plugin, I think. Mm. And it was a simple one at that. Like, I didn't need a ton of, like, account management. I just used easy digital downloads and that kind of stuff. So... I knew it wouldn't be, I knew it wouldn't break the bank. Yeah. And I think what you're saying as well, that, you know, if you do have enough money coming in from other services and whether that's consulting or other products, then I think that risk level, well, that perception of risk can can decrease significantly, I think, because like you said, you're, you're covered, you know, you're not going to, 
you're not going to lose the house you're not going to be you, you know you're not going to be uh, having problems paying bills and stuff like that so i think it is it is obviously a good place to be it is obviously a better place to be and i think my situation would change as well if i can you know get the consulting thing to a place where i'm where i'm happy then yeah. i think that would also that would also change the risk reward concept with with feature flux as well so i think it's dependent on on where you are financially and i think probably why funding on particularly on SaaS businesses is such a such a big thing you know so many people want funding and i can i can i can understand that now you know i mean previously with nusi it was something that i was no 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 bootstrap bootstrapped we <laughs> don't i you know we're not interested in this world we are solopreneurs you know bootstrap founders blah 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 but i can definitely understand you know why so many people want to go down that route because there is risk to that obviously I think it, it lessens your own personal risk, I think, yeah. financially. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a bit of a, oh, I don't know what the word is, but if you're bootstrapped and you haven't got funding, it's almost like you're you've, you're a bit better than people you who belong have. To an, in, you, belo- you belong to the cool club. I mean. Yeah, exactly. So there is that. I, I love things like Tiny Seed, where you can get funding for a project. I, I was actually tempted to do it for Client Portal, honestly. Not that I particularly needed it, but more for the mentorship that they have. And I thought, well, with the money, I could just invest it and get the whole thing like redone quickly. Because at the minute, it's slow. Like we have to bring out new features slowly and we're sort of making UX changes slowly. You know what we were talking about. And part of me just wants to just get it all done and just do it in one go. Mm. Um, I didn't end up going for it because I thought I don't really need to, to be honest. I think there are more people out there who need it more than me. Yeah, I think if speed is not a concern, you know, if you are financially stable, then then speed yeah. isn't. For some yeah. people, speed is is an issue. Um, I actually heard a really good interview this week with Marie from Llama Life uh, on her podcast, and they were talking. Uh, I think the Weekly Build, and they were talking about her funding. How because if you think of Llama Life, I didn't even know it was funded. You know, I think about it being a tiny little bootstrapped project that is really, really popular and doing really, really well. But I didn't imagine that it'd been funded. And during the interview, I actually, it was a real eye-opener because she was talking about the whole funding route and exactly what she'd been through and, and, and then raising raising money and then waiting for the next round and stuff. And it's it really is a completely different way of approaching building a business. I mean, I think she'd taken on $780,000 on the pre-seed round, which I thought was a huge amount of money for what I would consider to be a bootstrap business. So it's a completely different world. I think it's great. Like if you can get funding for your business, it just takes the pressure off. But you do also have to be a self-starter if you don't. Some people need the risk in order to give them a push to get going to do something Mm. so they need the pressure of a deadline or some external circumstances because the problem that can happen is if you get funding okay the risk is lower because the risk is really on someone else are you still self-motivated enough to get stuff done i think it's a lot of it's just personality traits and some people do really well with these like high risk i i need this amount of money by like tuesday so I'm going to really hustle and just get it done. And they like they thrive under the pressure. And some people don't like that kind of pressure, but they're quite good at getting the work done for their own personal just Which Which enjoyment. are you, of the, two, of the two groups, which do you fall into? Definitely the second. Um, right. I don't like risk. I, I, I Sometimes I need deadlines, like this trip where I'm going away. Um, you know, I had to get it done by then. 
I had to get the website redesigned by then. It's nice having a deadline because things can drag on, like it has been dragging on for too long. Although to be honest, a lot of that was out of my control because I was using different, I was using developers to, um, to do it and there was some issues and stuff. If I feel like I'm safe in the sense that I can afford to pay my bills, then I'm pretty happy to put the work in. And I think I do a better job because I'm not frazzled and I'm not scared. Whereas some people are the opposite. I don't know. Which do you think you fall into? Yeah, I think being self-motivated is is huge. I would love to be in that group. I would love to fall into that group. <laughs> I need I need that that whip. I think um, it's not that I enjoy having that whip there at all. It's just it's really the only way I can I can get anything done, which is kind of what's happening to me now. All of a sudden, I can you know the, the kind of the clouds have lifted and stuff for reasons we haven't gone into yet, but we will talk about someday. So I kind of. I'm trying to sort my life out now and because I have that I have that that deadline ahead of me so it's I don't like the stress of having to work under a deadline but I feel it, it's when I do my best work I'm hoping that I hope I can change that a bit as well and I think that does obviously vary according to you know if you are working on a project that means a lot to you and excites you then you know it's different it's a lot easier to sit down and get that stuff done yeah I think I hadn't even considered the fact that you know what if you take on funding and then you lose <laughs> you lose that sort of that edge, that desire to, to get this going. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I hadn't occurred to me because I have thought about things like Tiny Seed and, and Calm and, and these these kind of new types of funding. I think some people just, yeah, they need that motivation of that, of some kind of deadline. So, you know, you'd get the funding. It's not to say you wouldn't do it, but you'd get the funding and then maybe relax a bit. And then the funding would be close to running out and you'd be like, okay, I got to yeah. focus. And sometimes that can be a really good way to focus because... I mean, as you know, there's so many things you could be doing. There's like an infinite amount of things that you could do or you feel like you should be doing or that other people are doing and all this stuff. And you're like, maybe this is the way, maybe this is the way. Should I do this? Should I guest post or should I write on my own blog? Should I write at all? Should I do a podcast? Like all this stuff. When a deadline's approaching, it's sort of do or die. So you have to be like, okay, what is the thing that is gives me the biggest chance of this being a success and yeah. you sort of like no completely focus in. it helps you to focus on on what counts you can be oh i could do this i could do this i could do this it's like suddenly all of a sudden tomorrow right this is the thing <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is the thing this is the thing this is the thing and nothing else even you know the blinkers go on and that's it i mean i notice it even with i mean it might be a silly example but even with my upcoming trip i had a list of things that i wanted to do before i go personal and professional that kind of stuff um and as the days go on I'm t taking things off that list because I'm like, nope, that doesn't need to be done. No, you can do that when you get back. Nope, 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 nope. And then, so I wrote a note on my phone. Okay, what are the three things that need to be done before I go? And it was the client portal, website redesign, um, and then a couple of other things I can't actually remember. The rest of it is just secondary, nice to have. So I had to force myself to just get rid of all that stuff and it was hard because i want to do everything but yeah deadlines can be can be really good for that I, I feel that we could kind of just go on and on about different different aspects of this but i guess we should probably wrap it up and try and keep to our uh was it 30 minute ish episode run rate yeah indeed yeah i think i mean i feel like we've sort of covered different aspects of risk versus reward you know for me i think you do need to be able to take risks, but everyone has their different level. And it's just about, a lot of it is about knowing your own personality and what gets you motivated. And like we said, right at the start, everyone's got their unfair advantage in using that. 
maybe your unfair advantage you could even call it an unfair advantage is that you can be work super hard when you're really close to a deadline maybe your unfair mm. advantage is you can pace yourself a bit more what it, like both of those things work in different scenarios unless you're the doing the opposite thing of what you're historically good at so and i think the other big thing as well is that context is dictates everything else around this you know if all of a sudden you're going to be out of a job by the end of the month then your focus and how much you're willing to risk is is going to probably change dramatically from uh, another circumstance where you might have 12 months of work ahead of you and, and, and that kind yeah. of thing so it's very contextual i think and um, very dependent on the situation or even if you've got a family uh, you've got kids versus you're living at home with your parents you know that oh, yeah, changes well. things as well so yeah it's so much easier i know yeah that's how i started as well it was it was great <laughs> oh before i forget and before we go um so we were we were giving out the the email address if people wanted to get in touch and with any questions or any feedback but we figured it might be a lot easier just to give out uh, a twitter handle if you do have any feedback on the episode or if you'd like us to talk about anything in particular any questions at all then you can you can grab us over at non-tech podcast on twitter couldn't get a better one couldn't get anything closer unbelievable i thought we would have been able to get you know the non-tech founders podcast but even that was gone so it's at non-tech podcast feel free to just send us any comments and uh we'll definitely get back to you perfect sounds good all right well thanks nathan it was good to chatting as always likewise and likewise. i'll see you uh see you in a couple of weeks and have a great trip thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right laura bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.